likely to try their temper in this way. I dare say not, for you are reserved in your behavior and seldom impart your wisdom. But I have a benevolent habit of pouring out myself to everybody and would even pay for a listener, and I am afraid that the Athenians may think me too talkative. Now if, as I was saying, they would only laugh at me, as you say that they laugh at you, the time might pass gaily enough in the court, but perhaps they may be in earnest, and then what the end will be you soothsayers only can predict. I dare say that the affair will end in nothing, Socrates, and that you will win your cause, and I think that I shall win my own. And what is your suit, Euthyphro? Are you the pursuer or the defendant? I am the pursuer. Of whom? You will think me mad when I tell you. Why? Has the fugitive wings? <laughs> Nay, he is not very volatile at his time of life. Who is he? My father. Your father? My good man? Yes. And of what? is he accused? Of murder, Socrates. By the powers, Euthyphro, how little does the common herd know of the nature of right and truth? A man must be an extraordinary man, and have made great strides in wisdom before he could have seen his way to bring such an action. Indeed, Socrates, he must. I suppose that the man whom your father murdered was one of your relatives. Clearly he was, for if he had been a stranger you would never have thought of prosecuting him. I am amused, Socrates, at your making a distinction between one who is a relation and one who is not a relation, for surely the pollution is the same in either case. If you knowingly associate with the murderer when you ought to clear yourself and him by proceeding against him, the real question is whether the murdered man has been justly slain. If justly, then your duty is to let the matter alone. But if unjustly, then, even if the murderer lives under the same roof with you and eats at the same table, proceed against him. Now, the man who is dead was a poor dependent of mine who worked for us as a field laborer on our farm in Naxos, and one day, in a fit of drunken passion, he got into a quarrel with one of our domestic servants and slew him. My father bound him hand and foot and threw him into a ditch, and then sent to Athens to ask of a diviner what he should do with him. Meanwhile, he never attended to him, and took no care about him, for he regarded him as a murderer, and thought that no great harm would be done even if he did die. Now this was just what happened, for such was the effect of cold and hunger and chains upon him that before the messenger returned from the diviner he was dead, and my father and family are angry with me for taking the part of the murderer and prosecuting my father. They say that he did not kill him, and that if he did the dead man was but a murderer, and I ought not to take any notice for that a son is impious who prosecutes a father, which shows Socrates how little they know what the gods think about piety and impiety. Good heavens, Euthyphro! 
and is your knowledge of religion and of things pious and impious so very exact, that, supposing the circumstances to be as you state them, you are not afraid, lest you too may be doing an impious thing and bringing an action against your father? The best of Euthyphro, and that which distinguishes him, Socrates, from other men, is his exact knowledge of all such matters. What should I be good for without it? Rare friend, I think that I cannot do better than be your disciple. Then, before the trial with Miletus comes on, I shall challenge him and say that I have always had a great interest in religious questions. And now, as he charges me with rash imaginations and innovations in religion, I have become your disciple. You.